Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new Gold Coast Suns podcast called Turn Over the Tape. And if you get that reference, you are a very, very loyal Gold Coast Suns supporter. <laughs> my name is Keegan, and I'm joined by my fellow compatriot, Gold Coast Suns supporter, Matt. How are you today, Matt? Yeah, pretty good. Can't complain. Can't complain. It's footy season's all is around the corner. How? What's your excitement level were out of ten? Where are we looking at for the excitement for the season coming up? You know what? I hate to be chomping at the bit this much, but I'm actually sitting at about an eight. To be honest, an eight. Why are you sitting at an eight? Yeah. Now? I'm very. I'm. I'm not as excited. So I want. I want to be excited. So excite me. Why should I be excited? I think we saw enough last year to get the impression that there will be a ton of upside this year to the point where, to the point where I think we will be competing long, long into the season for finals. I don't think we make it, but I think the dream of finals will last a lot longer than it did last year. Um, And I think the recruits that we have look good and everyone has an extra year in the legs. I think there's plenty of reason to be excited. Um, As long as we set what the pass mark is, reasonably <laughs> yes and that but one of the things we'll talk about today we might talk about where we think this is going to go as far as uh pass mark and maybe expectations for the season anyway before we get onto that let's just give you a quick rundown what this actual podcast is going to be about it's about the gold coast suns you could probably tell from the way we've already talked about them for the first two minutes that that is probably what it's going to be about um, it's not going to be an analytical deep dive into statistics and analysis. I work in analytics. I can give that to you if you want, but let's, we probably won't get into it. I can tell you all about the efficiency going inside 50, but let's not, let's not weigh ourselves down with that sort of stuff. We're going to keep it light. We're going to keep it breezy. Yeah. Make is very sad. Uh, we're going to keep it light and breezy and we're just going to sort of, we're going to start, we've got a few top topics to talk about, but we, we might go off on tangents. We might start talking about Suns past, Sun players, players of Suns past or something like that. We So we'll we'll go wherever we, the conversation goes. But to start us off, Matt, where do you think the club is at at this point in time and what did you think of last season? Um, I thought last season was a breath of fresh air compared to what has been a fairly tough couple of years being a Suns supporter. Um, I mean, as soon as... You can sort of pinpoint the downward trajectory to that Gary Ablett injury however many years back, and it's basically been um, an awful experience since then, and last year sort of represented the first real noticeable uptick, um, which is probably why my expectations are unreasonably set. <laughs> the The sad part is I remember that Gary Ablett game like it was yesterday, and... I was there because we won that game. We were, we were playing. Yeah. We were playing Collingwood, and I think from memory, yeah. we had no people on the bench yep. in the last quarter, and we toughed it out. And I remember the thing that gave the Suns the win at the end was Clinton Young from Collingwood dropping a mark in the goal square, yep. and that sealed that sealed the win. So thank you, Clinton, wherever you are out there. We really appreciated that. It was a good win <laughs> to watch. But yeah, that at that point. I think that really sort of set the club on a sort of a really rough period through uh, through the end of McKenna, through Ede, and yeah. now Jew seems to have turned it around. Again, the results aren't on the board, so we can't really sort of say we're there, but it does look like it's turning around. Uh, last season, I thought we were all, we were good. Um, I can't really say a season of I think it was four and a half wins was was great. 
but at least I can see there's a plan. There's something moving forward. So that's a positive. We've got some good players. We've got some great young players. We're all we're all part of the Church of Rao, I think, as far as Gold Coast <laughs> Suns fans go. We, we pray at the altar of Rao, um, and we probably will be singing his praises all year if, God forbid, Hopefully. he stays fit. <laughs> 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 so I think... I think yeah. I th- while I don't think I'm at an eight where Matt said he was at, where you said you were at early, Matt. I think I think I'm at about a seven or a six. So happy with happy with where it's going, but just want to temper expectations slightly because I know that if we walk out on round one and we get pumped by a hundred points by the Eagles, then that excitement level uh, drops away quite significantly, which has happened before. Yeah, um, but it's AFL is a funny game um, in so far as those hundred point thrashings, right? Like if a team gets on top of you, the score can just blow out beyond reason pretty quickly. Um, for me, it's more about converting those close losses into close wins, and suddenly four and a half doesn't look like four and a half; it looks like seven or eight without much effort. Exactly, and I think that's it. And you hope that the the lads have trained a bit have trained in the art of winning those close games because we did lose a lot last of a lot of close games last year. And it is a bit heartbreaking at times when you see, especially the one that sort of rings in my head a bit is that Essendon game where we drew with Essendon yep. when we should have absolutely wiped the floor with them. But unfortunately it didn't doesn't work like that. And uh that was the really, really frustrating, frustrating loss for me last year. Uh yeah. so we uh, we are coming the season. I think we got about three weeks left of the season. I think season starts on the sixteenth of March from memory, so two and a bit weeks away. Um, did you? So practice games have started because of COVID and coronavirus and all that. The preseason's actually been shortened to just one game, and the Suns actually play in this upcoming Monday, if I'm not mistaken, on television. Mm-hmm. Um, but they actually did play a practice game previous, um, again not televised. So there's very little for us to ta- for at least for me <laughs> to talk about because I didn't really haven't seen too much about it, haven't read too much about it. But Matt, um, did you have you kept up with it? Do you know anything that how it went or how it got on? Yeah, um, I think we got dusted to the uh, to the tune of uh, forty seven points. But it's against the Lions; they're going to be there or thereabouts next year. Um, Joe Danaher had a day out, which is good to see him sort of uh, not breaking down at the first sight of trouble. He's a good uh, player. Um, yeah, he's a good player that you sort of want to see do, like as much as you don't want to see them dust the dust the suns, it is good to see players that are injury-prone that are talented doing well. Yeah, I tend to be a bit more philosophical. A, a strong Brisbane Lions can only be good for the Suns long-term. Um, I, I feel like if you have a fairly strong state you can attract players when normally you wouldn't so the Lions being good is good for the Suns in some roundabout way but in terms of the game itself um, we were belted in the first quarter we stuck it out in the second and sort of just ran out of legs towards the end Uh, it it could have been a lot worse than 47 points so it's tough to read too much into it but um, uh, yeah it, it seemed like the kind of result you would have expected in the normal season I imagine so um, nothing to be too disappointed by. Yeah, it's and you bring up a good point about the Lions being strong because we play them a lot in practice games because well we're so close to each other 
the AFL doesn't have to pay up those big dollars to send us to play in <laughs> Melbourne or something. So they can they cheap it out and you go, all right, you can play the Lions. And then uh, the preseason rolls out, you can just play the Lions again. So it's actually good that they're strong because you hear the you hear the saying of uh, so it's steel sharpened steel. Is that the saying? Have I got that correct? Anyway, basically, <laughs> basically, if we're if we are practicing against good opposition, then that will benefit us more than if we were to come down to, to Melbourne uh, and trounce the um and trounce North Melbourne by 100 points, as an example. Not which saying we, we do that. Which we but, should hopefully do. Which we should hopefully do in the season. I don't mind if we trounce them in the season, but as a practice game, you can't really get a lot out of those sort of games. So if we're playing a good Lions team, we see how they run on, then we can hopefully learn from that and get better from that. Uh, one thing I did see, actually, from the game, which uh, from what I read, which interested me, was that Will Brody um, kicked two goals and had a bit of the pill <laughs> as well. Uh, as someone that is definitely on the outer at the football club, or was last year, to the point he asked for a trade last year. Um, do you think he'll get a? Do you think he'll get a run this year? Do you think he'll he'll uh, he'll feature in the first? It's tough to get a read on it. I mean, Stewie Jew does tend to to give enough people um, in the squad an opportunity, and we're so injury prone. He probably will, uh, whether he's first choice or not. It's kind of hard to say. I can't imagine he would be if everyone's sort of fit and healthy, but that's never really been the case, so possibly. Yeah, it's it's funny. We're actually, the funny thing was, we're actually quite, you say we're injury prone, but actually last season we were quite fit. And I don't think we had too many injuries. So a lot of those players that had to play those god-awful scratch matches against each against the other clubs playing like 14 against 14 which you get absolutely nothing from so none of the a lot of those players didn't get a chance and you had players like peter wright who played i don't think he even played a game last year in the seniors and he no. got he's shipped off to essendon because he couldn't get opportunities brody was another one that asked for a trade but no one was interested so you think maybe mm. him asking for a trade and then realizing there's no one out there that wants to take him on that he's like, oh well, I've got to start. I've got to pull my uh, pull my socks up and get a bit stuck into it. And good to see he played well. Him playing well can only can only benefit the Suns. Whether he benefits on field and he drags us through a few more wins and kicks some goals and looked great for us, or at the very least, if, if he's still got his heart set on leaving at the end of the year, he raises his trade value and we can get a good good return on him. So Brody playing Everyone well, it, it's it's a win win regardless. Um, so other than that, um, it's not really much more we can say. As I said, it wasn't really televised. There is a stream on the Lions website if you really want to go back and watch it. It's, it's not worth watching. It's not worth watching. <laughs> One thing I did enjoy, though, and I did watch a little bit of it. One thing I did enjoy was if you watch, if you watch the footage and you have the sound on, you can actually hear Tony Cochran in the background. If you go half, if you go halfway through the second quarter, you can hear Tony Cochran in the background yelling abuse at the umpire, and is one of the funny <laughs> things I've listened to. Uh, he tries to keep it PG. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any effing and jeffing in there, but um, it is definitely worth a, worth a listen just to hear Tony Cochran absolutely leather the umpires in. And because you can make him out because there's only about a crowd of about thirty people there because it's behind closed doors, so you can hear him clear as day. But it's definitely, if you want a bit of a laugh, it's definitely worth it going, uh, going just listening just, just for that. Um, <laughs> so sort of looking at it, looking at the season overall, we'll probably do a more like a day, a game-by-game game prediction probably just before the season starts. Um, but what do you want to see this year just in a general sort of, um, general sort of 
I don't know, view, map? So in terms of what I would like to see, I I sort of expect that our defence is going to have a bit of trouble this year just within on stocks. But the one thing I've been crying out for, for for years is just some sort of uptick in efficiency going inside 50. If, if we can just have two or three more opportunities a game where we put the ball in someone's hand and they can have a set shot for goal, I think I'd be happy. Even if they're missing, I just want to see that that final connecting piece is starting to eventuate because that's when I'll start to think that maybe we can climb up the ladder properly. So you don't like long bombs inside 50 to no one? Not a super big fan of it, no. <laughs> no, no. I think I've seen enough Suns games where the third defender will come over the top or, yeah. God, or God forbid they bomb it into the goal square and there's no one there except a defender. <laughs> and I feel like hoiking my beer onto the field because some, sometimes they can look absolutely, and this is the thing that frustrates me, they can look like an absolutely million bucks running it out of defence, linking up through the midfield, and they get in, They get into someone's hands and they kick it into the 450, they either bomb it long or, or don't lower the eyes and look for a target, and they just go long or go wide, and it just absolutely infuriates me. It's the same, it's the same level that if you sit at the football and you hear those people from yesteryear <laughs> that basically just say, kick the ball whenever someone gets the ball. Have yeah. you, do you hear that when, you, when you're sitting at Mexico? Because yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I live in Melbourne, um, so I hear it when I go to see, like I'll go see like sort of neutral games and just every time, and you probably, and you, as you said, it happens up there as well, is the older generation will go, as soon as someone gets the ball, kick the ball, kick the ball. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, my, just, and that's how I feel like the Suns play sometimes. They just get yeah. it and kick the ball instead of looking where they should get it. So I 100% agree that they um, they should be trying to find a bit more of a system. Um, and I'd yeah. like to see a bit more of a system. That doesn't mean we're playing finals. I know I, uh, spoiler alert, I don't think we'll play finals. But I think that... Um, I think that just seeing a bit more process going forward. Yeah. I think we've got the midfield sorted, the sort of the link through the midfield's great. Uh, the rebound off defence looks good. Um, but, yeah, just going forward, hitting that forward 50 target seems to be something that we really struggle with. And I hope uh, Stuart, that's something Stuart Drew's been working on. And as well as goal kicking, our goal kicking is atrocious. Throwing that out there as well. Kicking straight would be lovely. Yeah, but imagine weight of numbers. I mean, if you had five or six more opportunities a game and that converted to three more goals a game. Yeah. You could keep the same kicking accuracy, right? Look, I don't want to be picky. Uh, I don't yeah. want to be picky. But, yes, I would I would just like to see some goals. Um, so uh, that's sort of what we want to see. What would you like to see? What would you like to see from the Suns um, sort of moving forward? Sort of not like maybe an off-field perspective, is there anything off-field that you think that the Suns could improve or do you think that could be improved just in general? See, I've always thought that their off-field stuff has been pretty good. So um, anytime someone comes up and says, oh, you know, we should fold the Suns, they're crap, I I turn around and I I spout off some made-up statistic that I think is about right, something along the lines of, you know, AFL participation's up like hundreds of percent on the Gold Coast since the team came in. Um, it's about the off-field stuff that they do. You just need to wait 25 years for it to properly gestate. Um, I get the impression their off-field stuff's pretty good. I just, 
yeah, it, they just need to have that season where they can really inspire the uh, the six through to sixteen year olds and actually make them think that they're a force. And suddenly they're not just oh yeah, the Suns are a team on the Gold Coast. Suddenly the Suns are their team. Yeah. It's like mentality shift. They just need to have that that Leicester in the EPL type season where they just just have the fairy tale, right? They might not need to win it. They just need to have that year. Yeah. No, that makes that makes sense. It's it's interesting. Like, as I said, I live in Melbourne, so I hear the other side of those arguments. I have to read the god-awful Herald Sun every morning. <laughs> oh, well, because my boss brings it into work, so he reads it and it's <laughs> on the table. And every time... Like, especially not not so much last year. Last year, because we were playing well, it sort of it kept, it kept the wolves at bay. But the previous year, the amount of articles I had to read about, oh, the Suns should move to Tassie. Oh, the Suns should. I'm just like, oh, I'm sick of it. So if we play well on field, it should sort out most of the stuff off field. I feel yeah. like if you if your team plays well, the off field stuff will usually take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to it's hard to criticize a team that wins games. Simple yeah. as that. You think of you think of all the issues, like you use a really quick example, Richmond back in the day where they had the fighting tiger fund, they were they were they were can shaking outside the MCG to make money up to the football club. Success has come. They're the most powerful, biggest football club in Australia now. So it can go if you can get that on st- on field stuff sorted, then the off field stuff should doesn't always but should take care of itself i think absolutely agree yeah Uh, completely all right so as we sort of are getting sort of winding down a bit um oh yeah we should we're probably going to keep try and keep these to about half now we don't want to run too long or run too um or try and bore you too much so we're going to keep these nice snappy half an hour blocks uh sort of to finish off uh for today it was just some season predictions matt so not so much maybe like uh like we're going to win 10 games or whatever. I want a prediction from you now. Who do you think is going to some couple of really quick fire ones? Who do you think is going to be the MVP of the Suns this year? Who is going to win the best and fairest at the Suns? This is a long way out, I know, but these are fun. I to mean, do. I don't want to give the cop out answer and say something like Raul. I'd really like for, I mean, I want him to have a big year, but like, I really think. Sam Collins, if he has a big year, that's the sort of player that, like, if he can just plug our defence, the midfield probably sorts itself out. We hopefully get enough opportunities to kick goals forward. If Collins can have the year that we need him to, he'd be the most important person to have an MVP season. And he basically had one nearly last year. He was excellent. He was club champion last year. Yeah, there you go. So he needs to have another season like that. And just sort of another bit on that practice match was from what I read, we got really found out without Collins because he holds mm. that defence down and Danaher and Hipwood ran right. Speaking of that, sorry to diverge uh, topics. Did you see that got kicked for goal that Danaher did where Ballard had to stay on the mark? Yeah. Yeah. All of those. They need to sort that out. No, said they need to sort that out. Yeah. Do you, what do you think of that rule, by the way, the rule adjustment? As I like the idea. I like the idea behind it and what they're trying to achieve. I just think they're going about it the wrong way. How would you do it? I would. That is another question. I'm not paid enough money to come up with those. <laughs> but basically, what I what I would say is, 
something along the lines of you have to let at least let them take a step to their side. Like saying they have to stand still and they can't move anywhere. Like yeah. I don't think that that works at all because what happens is you're then relying on the umpire. If, if for instance, what Danaher does and he plays on and he walks, he runs around and Ballard's standing on the mark like an absolute statue, then if the umpire doesn't play call play on quick enough, then Ballard's standing there looking like an idiot while Danaher just sort of wheels around onto his left foot and and kicks a goal without having any any pressure on him. So I think they they need to either sort that out and let them move a little bit, or they need to be very quick on calling play-ons. And as soon as someone steps off their line, they need to call play-ons straight away. Um, also, I always I, think that they need to... Oh, yeah. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that I almost think they need to see that if it's simultaneous, if the player with the ball goes at the same time, the defender goes with them, the umpire really just needs to be okay with that. And it's only if one, if the defender truly bolts too early, <clears throat> that's when it, that's a problem. Yeah. I think, I think also 50 metres is too harsh of a penalty for that. Like that's a long one. That's a third of the field or roughly a third of the field. Yeah, like, true. That's that's a very harsh penalty for that. Anyway, um, so you said Collins for the MVP. I yep. think we're, I think we're going to go. I'm probably going to go with Rankin. I think Rankin will have a good year. I think he's had a year now to settle, and I think he's. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that year he did a few silly things, um, which he's a young player. They do that. I'm, I'm thinking he might have ironed those sort of that stuff out over the offseason, sort of doing the basics better. And if he does that, then I think that um, I think that he will um, he will he will kick on, and I think he'll be a really really important player for us. So Rankin had a couple of moments towards the end of the season where I actually thought his inside fifty entries were really good. Um, he showed a lot of promise in simply just lowering his eyes, playing. <clears throat> playing the team game and like he can kick those magic goals. He, he, he kicked, I don't know how many, like five or six particularly good oh. goals during the season. Kicks an absolute um, but you're right. There, there was some, I thought there were some moments of maturity towards the end after, you know, probably Stewie Jew collared him in the, uh, the hallway after the game saying, mate, <laughs> Pull what are you in. thinking? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, he's, he'll be a special player for sure. And I, um, I can't wait to see what he does more, does more of that. It's a bit... Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, sort of a, another sort of brief prediction for the year. Um, how do you think the season is going to look? Do you think we're going to go back into hubs or do you think it's going to, the season's going to run smoothly? Um, I guess it really depends on how much uh, WA play ball, to be perfectly honest. Um, I get the impression... Um, not that I want to sort of veer into um, virus talk, but I get the impression that we should have a more normal season this year, um, given what wheels are currently in motion. So I'm I'm actually kind of expecting a 2019 type affair. Hopefully Less more of a 2020. Wins. Hopefully more wins, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, 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 hopefully more wins. Um, and the last thing I want you to sort of look into, look into the... Uh, the mirror, mirror ball, mirror ball. Is that what they're looking to? Fortune tellers. Crystal ball. Doesn't. Crystal ball. Thank you. Looking into the, the mirror the ball is the thing ball. you go to the disco to look at when yeah. you're uh, having a good night. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, crystal ball. 
this is a bit more of a this is a bit more of a morbid morbid one. I don't know if it's morbid, but do you think that Ben King leaves at the end of the season? Um, I forever the optimist. I try not to be one-eyed in my support of the Suns. Like if they have a bad game slash season, I'll, I'll call them out on it. But I'm optimistic this year. If we continue our upward trajectory, my expectation is that he stays. And Stewie Jew seems to have a pretty good track record of keeping um, players around that he wants to keep around at the moment. He hasn't had too many really fly the coop. So I'm, I'm, yeah, cautiously optimistic that he stays. No, no, so do I. I think he stays as well. The only reason I bring it up is because you always hear uh, St Kilda supporters <laughs> drive, do my head in. <laughs> and it's just, and I'm like, you've got nothing to be cocky about. But anyway, um, it's just like, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's interesting. Like there's always going to, I think there's always going to be that pull from home. And then that's not to say that I don't think he'll at some point go move, move clubs. Like, I think he'll do that at some point. Hopefully it's after we've won four premierships in a row and then I'll happily, <laughs> I'll happily, I'll happily drive him to the airport and and all that sort of stuff. But I think if exactly, again, I think it falls back to if we do well off field, if, sorry, if we win, start winning games on field, like the off field stuff will take care of itself. The contracts will take care of itself because players will want to stay. They want to hang around to be in a successful team. If And if we look like we're going to be a successful team, then not just King, but Lukosius and the other sort of the other young players will want to stick around and they would want to see, um, they will want to see success. Yeah, absolutely. And I sort of feel that there are certain players that can be a barometer for that. Those real passionate type players like Benny Ainsworth gives me the impression that like, like he wants to win. There is just almost no other option for him. And actually Brennan Ellis gives me those vibes as well. Um, whereas like Lukosius always looks like he's totally unhurried. You know, he could be sipping a latte in between his, you know, 80% efficiency. <laughs> you know, he's he's um, in the super coach team, Lukosius this year. Is he? Um, yeah, he's just the way he hits like long kicks, accurate kicks, hitting targets. Like he's, he's defos- as I said, disposal efficiency through the roof. If, if you're a super coach player out there, he's definitely one I would look at. Um, I think he'll be, I think he'll have a good year, a really good year. Um, I actually read that um, Raul was in like 40% of fantasy AFL teams. Yeah. Bloody hell. Because it's because he's cheaper because he got injured halfway through the year. He didn't even get halfway through. He got back through four games, four and a half yeah. games and got injured. So he doesn't, yeah. he didn't, they didn't put him at a full price. Well, people didn't put him at a full price. So they've kept him uh, relatively cheap. He's not in my team because I, I'm still wary of him and I hope. <laughs> Like I, the part of nagging in the back of the head going, he's going to do his shoulder again. He's going to do his shoulder again. And I just, I just can't, I haven't picked him yet. That's not to say I won't pick him, but at the, at the moment he's not in the team. Uh, Paddy I'm Cripps happy is, to be wrong on that one. I'm happy, very happy to be wrong. Paddy Cripps is there instead and he's another one that could probably get injured. But anyway, this isn't a super coach podcast. <laughs> uh, so anyway, let's, I think we should wrap it up there anyway, man. I think we've gone through a few, a few good topics there. Next week will probably be a bit different because we'll have a fixture. We'll have, um, We'll have a game of, of AFL to actually talk about. I think you're going. Are you going, Matt? Or are you thinking about going? To so the game, I'll def- yes. 
Oh, definitely. If I can get my email sorted and my ticket through, absolutely. <laughs> I will be watching on television. So you'll get two different perspectives if you come back next week. You'll get to see the live perspective and you'll get to see me listening to some awful AFL commentary and watching the game <laughs> from there. I might even watch it on mute. Who knows? Anyway, that has been Turnover the Tape this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for joining me again, Matt. No problem. Thank you. And um, we'll see you back here next week.